Hello, and welcome to the All Saints Podcast. We began this podcast by bringing you the sermons from the 10 a.m. service on Sunday mornings. With the ongoing orders to stay at home and continue to socially distance, we're now bringing you the homilies that Father Ed has been recording in locations all around where he is staying. It has been a difficult time for many of us and for our church, but I hope that listening to these homilies as they're produced on location can bring a bit of comfort to us all. As you'll hear from this week's homily, recorded outside on the Little League baseball field, there's a bit of background noise that may make it hard to hear. But I hope that you find, as I did, that the message continues to come through loud and clear. So now a homily for Sunday, June 21st, 2020. Today is a lesson from Matthew chapter 10 that's really hard and difficult about the radical call of discipleship in Jesus. It's also a time where we can learn a lot about ourselves and have some fun with it. Uh, some things that will be bright for us when we learn about ourselves and move into the future. One thing to note is we've been doing these sermons out on the road for some 14, 15, 16 weeks, and hopefully we'll be doing live streaming next week, and this might be the last of this type, uh, but we'll see as the time comes. What we have today to look at is Jesus teaching us that if you want to find your life, you must lose it. Only those who lose their lives will find their lives in him. He's telling us that we have to pick up our crosses and follow him which sounds like a painful and difficult thing to do, and it can be. But all these things are wrapped up for us in ways that we can illustrate, help, and get things uh, explained in a very fun way, maybe. And here I am on a baseball field trying to do that. I don't know if you can see around this field at all, Uh, but I'm on this baseball field. It's a sandlot field. It's not a fancy field. It's not a minor league park. It's a sandlot field. Uh, And this field represents, for me, something we don't have right now. There's no baseball, so I thought I'd give you some baseball today and some baseball stories to go along with it. My very first story is a a really good one that hits my heart. It's always hit my heart. It's it's so interesting. A fellow named Brett Butler, you'll remember him if you're a baseball fan, back around 1990, was playing for the San Francisco Giants. Great player. Became a free agent, got $10 million more, moved to the Los Angeles Dodgers. When he went back to San Francisco after becoming a Dodger for the very first appearance there, his name was announced over the loudspeaker as being the leadoff hitter for the Dodgers, and the people cheered. They, they remembered him, they loved him, and they cheered for him. But he didn't want their cheers. He didn't want their loyalty. He didn't want their affection. And what he did was he walked over to Tommy Lasorda, the famous manager of the Dodgers, and openly, in some kind of demonstrative way, hugged him so the entire stadium could see it. And all the cheers turned to jeers, and everybody started hating him and vilifying him because now he was part of the hated enemy, and they were willing to forgive that. But he didn't want that. After the game was over, the reporters asked him, why did you do that? Why not just take the applause? He said, because I did not want people to think what they were thinking. I am now a Los Angeles Dodger. My allegiance, my alliance, my loyalty, my affiliation is to my new team completely and wholeheartedly. I am no longer what I was. I'm now a Dodger. Well, that is such a perfect illustration for the Christian. We come from one life, one walk of life, with our first team, if you will, living in the world and being with people that we were. And then we find in our hearts the kingdom of God in Christ. We find Jesus, the one that we love and to whom we give our allegiance, our alliance, our devotion, and our loyalty. And when we do, we're quick, if we're right, to tell the world, it's new now. I'm not who I was. I don't want to be what I was. I don't even want you to think I am what I was. Not because you're trying to be a holy roller, a holier than thou, or to be some pious person but to show genuinely that there is a different life in Christ than there was before. I have a new identity. 
a new team, if you will, a new leader, if you will. And as one man hugged his new baseball manager, we are hugging Jesus, both verbally, uh, both symbolically, and in the way that we live our lives. Now, that's one good baseball story, right? It tells us how we go from who we were onto the new team of God, the kingdom of God, and we become ambassadors of Christ. A second story, one that you probably know about, especially if you watch movies in the last five years or so. It has to do with the Los Angeles Dodgers once again. But this time, the person who is of focus is Pee Wee Reese. And you might say, well, isn't Jackie Robinson the one who's of focus when he's with Pee Wee Reese? Because they were always joined in people's minds. They were such dear friends. Well, we got to start with Pee Wee Reese. We know that Jackie Robinson in 1947 became the first African-American baseball player in the major leagues. And he suffered enormously for it. The hate and the vilification of fans all over the country, wherever he went. Uh, so much so that Jimmy Cannon, a sports writer, once wrote that after interviewing Jackie Robinson, he found him to be the loneliest man he had ever encountered in sports. He had never seen anyone so lonely, which is important for the story coming up. For when they did their first road game after uh, Jackie Robinson became a team member in 1947, Jackie Robinson was on his side, the right side of the infield. Pee Wee Reese was at shortstop on the left side of the infield. And the fans started heckling and throwing things and cursing and yelling and doing the most unbelievably horrible things to Jackie Robinson. Pee Wee Reese, who grew up in segregated Louisville, Kentucky, who grew up in segregated schools, who would later say that Jackie Robinson was the first black man whose hand he ever shook in his life, had the presence of mind, the heart, the faith, the goodness, the righteousness to walk across the baseball diamond, stand next to Jackie Robinson, put his hand around his shoulder, look up at the crowd, look at the two dugouts, the, the opposing dugout and his own, and the world to say, this man is my friend, and I stand with him. And the purpose of doing that was to tell everyone that not only is he a man of God, but he's living out the life of a Christian disciple. He's making the sacrifice, taking the risks, doing the things that Jesus says in Matthew 10 need to be done, even when people hate you on account of Jesus' name. Even when account of doing things for God, we find hatred and rejection and we're sidelined. Pee Wee Reese was willing to do that. Now, there's a magnificent statue that was put up, I don't know, maybe 15, 16 years ago, something like that, in Brooklyn. And the statue depicts just what we're saying. There is Jackie Robinson standing about a head taller than Pee Wee Reese. But there's Pee Wee Reese reaching up, putting his arm around Jackie's shoulder to say, we are one. We don't just know one another. We're not just acquainted. We're not just in the same time but we are one. It's beautiful. From the front and the behind, there's two different depictions uh, that the sculptor did. Uh, I dare say it's a better sermon than the one you're hearing. And if you want to, just shut this thing off now and go see the statue. You get more out of it than maybe what I have to say. But it is something wonderful for us to hold in our hearts how God not only calls us as the first baseball player, uh, Brett Butler did, to say, I'm with this team now, but to do as the second baseball player, Pee Wee Reese, did when he said, I'll stand with my friend was suffering and who was lonely and going through a torment that I couldn't imagine. He didn't really understand it. There are kingdom ironies all over this. Um, God tells us to do things that are just uh, counterintuitive sometimes, certainly countercultural, maybe even radical. The kingdom of God is a radical, uh, countercultural way to live your life. Jesus says, uh, if you want to be first, you have to be last. The last shall be first. If you give, you shall receive. Instead of just keeping what you have, giving out actually brings you more. Uh, whoever is a servant will be the greatest among you. And Jesus himself was a great servant, as we know. Uh, whoever has less and sacrifices will be given more. 
Whoever is humble will be exalted. I love that one. A humble person will be lifted up, raised up, and exalted. And Jesus in this gospel today especially punctuates that whoever is willing to lose his life on account of my name shall find it, shall find his life. Losing our lives means dying every day to Christ. It means that we are so devoted to him that our own lives don't matter. I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ lives in me. I pray every morning, as, as I do, pray every morning that before you get out of bed, Lord, put me to death today. Put to death all my greed, all my anger, all my bitterness, all my prejudice, all everything I have so that you can live in me fully. Um, Jesus said that anybody who does not pick up his cross and follow him is not worth following him. You're not worthy of doing it. Now, this is an important part for us to understand. What does he mean by picking up his cross and following him? Uh, different theologians will tell you a different thing. But the important thing to remember is that in the first century, if you saw somebody carrying their cross, what were they doing? They're on their way to their death. They were carrying their cross to their crucifixion. It was part of their penalty. Jesus carried his uh, with the help of a wonderful man who came along. It was man Simon of Cyrene came and helped him. Um, and when they were going to the cross like that, there was the symbol that you're going to die. And he was saying, if you're not willing to sacrifice everything, if you're not willing to even die for me, then I really can't use you. Because what's happening in the kingdom of heaven being brought to earth is something so radical, so important, so, so precious, that you've got to give everything. Some people say, well, I go to church. Well, that's good. Keep going. Some people say, well, I really am devoted to Christianity. That's eh, okay, I guess. But it's not what he's asking us to do. He's asking us to be devoted to him, loyal to him. Like the baseball players were loyal in doing things. He wants us to be absolutely drop-dead loyal to him and him alone, to the person of Jesus. Not to a denomination, not to a, a religion, but to him, the person of Jesus. Once you meet in your life this man named Jesus, you will never be the same again. It's in meeting him and walking behind him and being obedient and doing the things that he requires us to do, especially in sacrifice that we become so fully of the kingdom of God. I'm preaching this for Father's Day Sunday. Uh, this Sunday is also Father's Day. And it makes me think about fathers and how they live and their children watch them. I've seen a few fathers lately outside of our church, most particularly, who have not done well modeling things for their children. And I say this to fathers, if there's any single part of your life that you really don't want to be an example of how your children should live, then you need to stop doing it. You need to come to God and confess it. You need to go to the Holy Spirit and ask to be transformed by the Spirit. You need to change. You need to become emboldened and stop doing it. Confess it. Apologize to those involved and start living the life you were intended to live from the very beginning. God's way that I'm telling you to follow is not the easiest way. I'll admit that right up front. It's not going to be easy to do this. Uh, mothers, too, if you need to change, all parents, all grandparents, everybody who needs to change to make an example for a child, do it because kids start watching you and they pain, they're in pain and suffering watching you when you're not living right. It's not the easiest way to follow God, but it is always, 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 always the best way. The best way. People like uh, Peter and David and Abraham found out that it's the hard thing to take the easy way sometimes. Uh, they, they learn the hard way about taking the easy way. When we take the easy way and we don't do it God's way, we wind up in a ditch. Our marriage goes kaput. Our kids go wrong. Our jobs go wrong. Everything falls apart. Your relationships with your friends. We need to do things God's way the way that we're asked. That we're asked. In all of this, in all this radical devotion of our lives, of our allegiance, of our alliance, of our devotion to Jesus, there are three questions that will tell you where you are, and I'll give you these three questions right now. The three questions are these. 
Is there anything I love more than Jesus Christ himself? Is there anything I love more? Some person, some sport, some money, some car, some travel. Is there something that you love more than him? That's the first question. The second question is, is there anything that you're not willing to give up for him? Is there anything I won't give up for Christ? And the third question is, is there anything that I won't do for Christ? Sacrificing, setting myself aside. So is there anything you love more than him? Is there anything that you won't give up for him? And is there anything you won't do for him? If the answer to any of those three questions is yes, you're not fully there. You still have a way to go. It's, it's okay. Like people say, yeah, I've lived a bad life so far, and you're telling me now maybe I'm a bad parent, maybe all these other things are wrong, I'm not fully in with Christ. This isn't for judgment. I'm not doing this so you'll feel bad about yourself. I'm doing this so that you could look yourself in the mirror and make a move on. Because people like Peter and Abraham and David, they really disappointed God. They really, really messed up. But just because you haven't done the right thing in the past doesn't mean you can't do the right thing from this point forward. That's what Jesus is doing here. He's telling his apostles in Matthew 10. That's who he's talking to. That's who he's training up. That these are the things you must do. Give up your life and you will find life in me, he says. Die to yourself and you will live in me. Pick up your cross and follow me. In other words, be willing to sacrifice even to the death. And you will follow Jesus into glory. And your life will be everything it was intended to be even before you were born. The example of Matthew chapter 10 today and change you forever, but not by you just trying hard. You need to pray to God, surrender what you've been doing, and ask the Holy Spirit to come into your heart and life to empower you, to embolden you, to lift you up and strengthen you, and to make you a person you've never been before, because there are so many people in the world who are looking for God and God's kingdom, and you could be the conduit that brings it to them. God bless you as you try to live these things out. You have my love and my prayers today, and I hope that I myself will take up some of this uh, advice and live differently too. God bless you. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the All Saints podcast. I hope you'll continue to download future episodes. You can subscribe and have the episodes delivered automatically each week by going to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and clicking subscribe. Exciting news. We will be back next week with a sermon from inside All Saints Church as we take one more small step to being back together in person. Until then, please be well, stay safe, and God bless.